are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This show is made possible because of a grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today we are going to be talking with the team for Change HD, for the Change HD study, um, which is geared towards kids and adults who are between the ages of 6 and 30. Um, This study has a great group of women coordinating it, and I'm going to have each person that's part of the team do a little intro for everybody and tell us why they got involved in HD research. Um, But before that, Thank you guys, or thank you ladies, for joining me today um, and dealing with any type of technical difficulties we started off with. It's our pleasure, Lauren. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So let's start with introductions. Um, Who would like to go first? I can if you want to. I'm Sonia Slavinsky, and I'm the overall Change HD Study Coordinator. Um, Before I started in research, my background was in counseling and frontline mental health services. Um, I was introduced to the HD community through the Kids HD Study, which some of you might remember was the predecessor to Change HD. Um, I was brought on in 2011 as a coordinator, but my real first job was to jumpstart the awareness about kids in a community, clear up some questions about it and things like that. So I did a lot of travel, a lot of boots on the ground, basically any event that would have me, big or small. And I just met the most amazing people all over the country. They're all connected to their HD journeys. And so my involvement in HD research really started as an assignment and quickly just became a cause near and dear to my heart because of the families that I met. Again, that's so awesome because I, you know, I love hearing stories like that where researchers get involved and, and then it becomes very personal for them and um, dealing with the families. So I love that. Um, and who is next? I can go next. Uh, my name is Salome Aladia. I am the coordinator for the James HD study at the University of Iowa. Um, I got involved with James uh, because obviously having read about Huntington's disease and knowing the kind of impact it has on individuals and families uh, it was heartbreaking and I wanted to do more and wanted to do my bit uh, as much as I could uh, for the people and in the field and that's how I got involved in the study and in HD. Okay. okay. I, I can go next. Um, my name is Jennifer Osterich, and I'm a coordinator for the Change HD study at the Columbia University location. 
I have a psychology background, and during my studies, I became very interested in genetics and its role in behavior and development. So I found uh, the Change HD study to be particularly helpful in learning more about neurodevelopment. And also, I found it to be a great way to raise awareness about a disease that not many people are familiar with. And just by joining the Change HD study as well as the HD uh, team at Columbia University, I felt a real um, effort to finding research about this disease, and I really love the people that I was surrounded with. Awesome. Thank you. I can go next. Um, I'm Brittany Duncan. Um, I'm the research coordinator um, here in Houston for uh, the University of Texas. And um, I've worked with Huntington's patients and families for about three years here at our site. Um, in college, um, like Jennifer, I have a, a background in uh, psychology, but I took a lot of genetics and neurology courses um, that, you know, kind of grew the fascination just interest in, you know, helping, uh, you know, individuals with neurological disorders. And um, so when I started working at, at the site in Houston, um, I've done the Enroll HD study, and I've met a lot of Huntington families through that and a lot of walks here in Houston. So it's, just, it's a great community, and I, I enjoy getting to spend time uh, with all of our families here. I can go next. Um, my name is Kelly Ham, and I'm a clinical research coordinator for the UC Davis Medical Center. Um, my research background prior to my role here working on the Change HD study uh, was for about two years. I worked in research with adolescents who work um, exposed to potentially traumatic events um, and had different neurobehavioral disorders. Um, so my background was in children and adolescents in research allowed me the opportunity to begin my role as a coordinator for the Change HD study. Um, and I can definitely say in terms of working with the community within research, um, working with the most inspiring work that I've done so far in my career. And um, they definitely provide a source of motivation in terms of understanding how important the work is in teams, um, even through um, the studies that we've done so far, the hope that it provides for the community and, again, just underscores how important the study is. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Bria Gates. I'm a coordinator at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and I've recently joined the team. I had an opportunity to shadow my colleague who was in um, the position before me, and she introduced me to the study as well as the PI, Dr. Roberts, at our site. And prior to that, I hadn't had a lot of involvement with the HD community, but working even briefly on the study, it was an incredibly warm and welcoming group. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with a few families now, and they've taught me so much about HD already. I feel like I'm learning from them in more ways than just the study involvement, really globally, the impact that HD has had on their lives. And um, it's an incredibly uh, inspirational project to be on um, with all that the families contribute to the study and volunteer for us. Um, so I'm very grateful to be a part of the project. I'm fairly new to it, and I embrace all the things that everyone is teaching me. So uh, very excited to be a part of this. Thank you. And we're very, very lucky to have such a great group of ladies um, working on this. 
So let's talk about um, what Change HD is. What, what is the study? I'm glad for that. So um, Change HD is a brain imaging study. Um, it, we look at uh, individuals who are between the ages of 6 to 30 years of age uh, and who have a parent or a grandparent who has been diagnosed uh, with Hunter's disease. So we know that AC causes um, parts of the brain to stop working like they should. Um, usually when this happens, uh, the person's already older and grown up, but some people uh, might have small problems in their brain for a long time before any of these bigger problems really start. So this particular study um, is going to try to find these early small problems and really measure them as such. Um, let me ask, I, this was not part of one of my questions, I, I, and I warned Sonia that I would probably come up with stuff because that just kind of happens with me. Um, how hard is it working with kids on a study? Experience. Uh, I think Sonia has had far more experience with KJC uh, than me, so I'm going to ask her if she can chime in. Um, sure, no problem. It, it's definitely a unique specialty, um, not only since, you know, we're working with children and we're always hyper vigilant about their capacity to consent. So technically, in most places, a parent would consent for their child. Our study is a little bit different and our lab and our mission in general is a little bit different because we want to ensure that every kid that comes through our study stands themselves what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, so that's one of the biggest issues with working with minors in research is making sure that we have their consent as well as their parents' consent and that there's no coercion involved. Another big issue for our study is that we do brain imaging. That's an MRI, and it, it isn't necessarily a short MRI. Um, and so we have learned some tricks frequently where the child's first MRI as well. So there is a lot of work that we do to alleviate fears beforehand and during the visit. Um, and then, you know, I don't know about the other sites, but Iowa has employed some tricks with like a, a mock scanner. It's a, it's a full-size scanner that our kids can explore and climb all over and hear all the sounds and get really familiar before that MRI. Um, we also have the ability to either play music or watch videos while they're in the MRI. Um, and then timing is also a big deal, especially with some of the school-age kids, the younger ones, is we save the MRI maybe until the end after they've been through a day. They're kind of tired. They would normally be coming home from school and plopping in front of the TV with a snack anyway. So we pop them in the MRI about that time in front of a movie, and we've had surprisingly really good success with that. Um, and kids... Overall, I think we've had great responses, um, a real positive response that they have a great time with us. So does that answer your question about working with kids a little bit? It does, especially the consent. I think um, it's very interesting to me that, um, you know, with working such with young kids, like six or whatever, um, it, would, it would be hard to understand, I guess, but I guess they do understand 
you know, what they're doing, especially if they've been involved already in the Huntington's community um, and informed about all of it. Yeah, that's a prerequisite for us. We, we go through it with the parent in the screening process. We, we screen for what we call an age-appropriate awareness of Huntington's disease. Um, we don't want any surprises for our participants when they come in. We don't want us to be the first one telling them things. So we walk a very careful line. Um, the families are the experts, not us, and they're the ones that should be the primary source of information for their kids for that. Um, that said, we do, we do answer questions, um, but uh, we usually know where they're coming from at that point. So we do a lot of background investigation before they come in. It's amazing how much kids actually know. Like even my daughter doesn't know. So my dad recently passed, but um, when he was alive, she knew something was wrong, you know, and she would, um, she would say, Papa sick. <laughs> And she's two and a half years old, so she realized something, and she did so good with him. And um, so, like you said, age appropriate, and and just them knowing so young what you know that something's going on. Um, so I, I think that's really cool, and um, that we're able to to see that um, in this next generation of kids, where they're realizing really early on um, what they're what they're dealing with. So, um, so how do you guys, you kind of brought this up, you, how are you studying the brain? You said with MRI, correct? So when we study the brain with the MRI, it basically um, allows us to, it, it's basically a scan that allows us to take a picture of the brain uh, and measure like the size and the shape of different parts of the brain. Um, the MRI space, it doesn't hurt at all. Um, it doesn't really use any radiation. We also um, study the brain by looking at the functioning of the brain, which is how the different parts of the brain are actually working. And for that, um, we look at how they, how participants think, uh, how they remember, how they process things. We also have, um, to measure that, we have um, a lot of brain teasers and puzzles. Um, and that. Sometimes it's a lot of fun. Um, to help them engage and to help us measure um, how their thoughts of the brain are functioning. How will the results of this particular study help? So what we're hoping this study can accomplish is um, to give us some more information on how HD changes the way a person's brain grows during their whole life. So overall, there aren't many studies looking at brain development anywhere um, past the age of 18. The ones that have been done show that there's developmental changes up and past the age of 30. So your brain, your brain does keep growing um, and expanding and maturing uh, well into your 30s. Um, so this even includes um, changes due to like a maturing brain, which sometimes means strengthening the more important pathways cutting out ones that aren't as needed. Um, and this is important to know because currently the kids that HD collected data for the under 18, primarily under 18 years old. Um, and between predict and enroll, there's terrific data for over 40. We're lacking a huge chunk, that period of continuing brain development from 18 to into the 30s. 
So why is it important to research brain development across such a large age range? It's because everyone develops differently and preventative gene therapies, like one that would knock out HD, may affect brain development um, because the Huntington gene affects brain development. So what we're hoping is that we can find and measure changes throughout the uh, age 30 um, in the brain and figure out when they may happen so that we can help doctors and scientists find new ways maybe to tell if a person has HD and make better ways to treat it sooner. And we hope that this research will find a way to identify the safest time for gene therapy during brain development. Again, an amazing and very, very important thing, the earlier we can detect, um, the better it is for those of us who are gene positive, um, you know, to hopefully start treatment and not have to worry about symptom onset. So um, that's a very, very important thing. Um, so who, we kind of went into this as well, but who can participate ages 6 to 30, right? And then... Um, is there any other specific criteria? They have to be directly affected by HD, have a parent or grandparent, right? So um, HD invites individuals who are between the ages of 6 and 30, male or female. Um, they'll have either a parent or grandparent who's already been previously diagnosed with HD. Um, and that's our primary um, eligibility criteria for the study. Um, beyond that, this study in particular, unlike um, professors, we do not include individuals who have a diagnosis of juvenile honey, so that's something to be mindful of for the study. Um, in addition to that, um, a note that comes up often for some older participants um, who may be around the age of 30, as long as they are 30, um, on the date of their first study visit, they're eligible um, to move on with the study. Um, Another thing that can come up quite frequently um, is if individuals have braces um, due to the, the MRI, that's one of the safety concerns that can come up um, and we'll often ask people to um, wait until they've removed their braces or their child has removed their braces. Um, another thing to be mindful of in terms of eligibility is we often have families who um, come to us and are interested. Um, we can always include um, siblings in terms of planning that study day. So, um, if you can have eligibility and a family being eligible, um, that's something to also keep in mind that um, our archives are accommodating in terms of that. Um, and then another question that can come up often in terms of eligibility um, that I've gotten several times um, is uh, if people can participate if they know their team status. Um, you can participate um, if you're over the age of 18 and you have gotten um, tested already and you know your gene status, we do ask um, for participants to um, try and keep that information from the study staff uh, as much as they can. Um, sometimes it might not be possible if they've come through, for example, our center of excellence and they already know um, some of the um, team at uh, our site. Um, but if possible, we can keep that degree of separation and knowing that we do ask that. Um, but if you do know your gene status, you are still eligible regardless. Um, yeah. Um, and what would a study visit day be like, um, you know, as far as length, 
somebody may experience. Obviously, you talked about the MRI a little bit and trying to do that at the end. Um, so what would a study day be like? So um, one note I will make um, is that I know um, all different sites have a little bit of variability in terms of if some of the assessments are currently remote um, due to the pandemic. So um, that can be discussed if someone was interested in a particular site, they'll discuss the specifics with you. But I'll give sort of a general overview of what a study day would look like. Um, so before any research activities take place, um, it's kind of been briefly mentioned before, but um, we'll meet with the study participant and if they are under the age of 18, their parents as well, um, to review the consent forms and discuss any questions or concerns. So this is a really important part of the study and again, in work um, with children um, because this is where we're able to go over all the details of what it means to participate in the research study. Really make sure that people understand that it's a voluntary thing. It's you know, they're in the driver's seat in terms of deciding whether or not they want to participate and making sure that the study staff there is available to answer any questions or concerns before um, that um, child or participant as well as the parent make an informed decision about whether they want to participate. So that's a really crucial part of the study visit day. Um, and so we'll go through um, any and all questions that the person will have and then once they decide they want to move forward with the visit, um, we'll find those forms. And then from that point on, um, the study visit will begin. So a typical day may start with um, one sort of research clinic doing um, vitals, so like height, weight, and blood pressure. And then we'll also take a sample of blood for genetic testing and research. Um, and then after that, um, the majority of the day is spent doing cognitive, behavioral, and neurological assessments. And so those tests are looking at things like memory, behavior, um, balance and coordination. So, um, you know, some of the assessments are looking at vocabulary. Some of them are looking at motor skills, like how quickly you on something with your finger or with your foot. Um, so, just various assessments that are done um, for several hours. And, and then, as Sonia mentioned, typically at the end of the day, we try and schedule the MRI, which is about 45 minutes. Uh, and um, it can be a little bit longer than that, but typically around 45 minutes is how long that can take. Um, I know here at UC Davis, we have the ability to play videos or some music as well. The person is in the can. We also have that mock scanner for anyone who wants to um, sort of get a feel for what that experience would be like prior to the true scan. Um, and I think we'll sometimes get that there's no deviation involved in the MRI scans that we do. Um, so usually the day takes between six and eight hours between all the different assessments, the MRIs, um, and we'll see that consent form at the beginning. Um, we'll take a break for lunch, and um, as needed, people can take breaks. Obviously, um, it's you know like a school or work day, so um, as we can integrate breaks when people need them between the assessments, we do that too. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, Sonia, I uh, see that message too. Um, what we're going to do, uh, I'm going to just ask, I'm going to post all this information on the show page. And um, we're just having some, um, we've been having some technical issues here. 
but I want to make sure that people um, get the information for Change HD. Um, can you, we're going to finish up with just a few quick questions since we have under five minutes on here. Um, how can people find out more information about participating? Um, so if people are interested in the study, they can uh, check out our website, so the changehd.org. Um, uh, we also have a Facebook page. It's at changehd research. Um, and then um, also we have a toll-free number, uh, 1-866-514-0858. And then also all of the participating sites, you could always um, contact us, you know, uh, research coordinators individually if you know certain sites. And you can always help out um, trying to get participants to the closest site available. Um, so how would people get to the study site? Pretty much any way they wish, and we're going to support it. So they can take a train, a bus, a plane. They can drive. Um, we'll support them to do that. And also, um, we have a travel agent that, at most sites that can work with us to coordinate their flight trip needs, and we will support not only the participant, but their family member who may be accompanying them, or if there's other family members, we're happy to work with them about arrangements to support their, um, their trip. And we will make sure that we um, provide the compensation as well for that piece as far as their travel and so that there isn't an expense to the family or participant for attending the site that they've chosen to go to. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's all it's paid for through the study itself. Yeah, it's paid for through the study grant, and most of it is, is covered up front so that they don't have to absorb any costs um, on arrival, but there is a few things that may be reimbursed, such as tolls if they drive and um, various taxi fees that may be acquired later throughout the visit. So we will reimburse those on a receipt basis, but otherwise the the cost of travel is, is typically provided up front. Awesome. Uh, so for more information, if you go to our show page on the Help for HD website, um, you can, you know, find the link there for Change HD. And I'm going to post the other relevant information. There's going to be, um, actually have an FAQ, like, information with the questions on there. So I'm going to post that there as well. Um, and um, if anybody has any questions, you're welcome to also send me an email. I'm happy to get you in contact with any of the site coordinators and, um, you know, so you can find out if you're eligible. And ladies, I want to thank you so much for being on this call today and joining me. And uh, I certainly hope that um, you guys get everything that you need through the study. I'm looking forward to results. Thank you for having us, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lauren. Thank you, so much. Thank you Lauren. Everybody take care. Thank you. 
thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.